grew up on on a farm, uh, doing living the farm life, and your parents were just like, better name you after some tractor equipment, like no, okay. him. <laughs> so um, my parents are what my brother and I like to call hippies. Um, they definitely <laughs> were back in the day. My dad was motorcycle wearer, long hair, Fu Manchu mustache, total wild child. Um, when So, yeah, uh, what Nathan and I are talking about is my strange first name. Um, most of the world knows me as Wes, uh-huh. but that's not legally my name. My name is actually... Two very confusing letters next to each other. They are W and M. Um, just really throws most people for a loop. But, yeah, that's my name. Um, my parent. So, basically, the long story short is my dad and mom wanted to name me after a relative. So, on my mom's side, I believe, I have a great-grandfather named William. WM is short for William. My dad really hates the name Bill. And Bill is a nickname for William. So when I was born, he just kind of wrote WM on my birth certificate. And he just kind of wrote WM yeah, on I mean, birth I guess he intentionally did it. There's no kind of about it. <laughs> I was technically there, but you know, I mean, I didn't have any say over the situation or anything like that. Um, I know they really liked how my name looks anagrammed, so they couldn't get away from the two W's because you know it's two little W's and a big S. You can do a lot of cool designs with that. Um, but yeah, I just got saddled with two letters for a name that has. Throughout my entire life, when they're reading off names and the person becomes completely silent, it's, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that that one, the one you can't understand, absolutely me. How, when did that first happen? Was that like a from preschool, kindergarten yeah, absolutely. on type Every of year of school, every teacher the first time, not even the first time. A lot of the times, it's like if it's a big lecture hall and they have to uh-huh. call roll, every single time. Um, they get to WM and they just pause. And I can like count down last names. Right. Like that's an SE, that's another SE, that's an SO, that's I'm, I'm next. Like and then they pause. Like yeah, absolutely. I I know the name you're looking at. It's me. And it's just <laughs> a in in a in a place where there are a bank of global names for which a a professor or instructor or mm-hmm. you know a person in you know in an office doing roll count or whatever like wm <laughs> wm just, is the stumper it just kills it it just stops everything dead in its tracks you can see this like completely lost look wash over people's faces and it's like yeah absolutely I- i'm here i promise <laughs> but <laughs> And you've ne- like there's never been a there's never been like a like a guardrail like you know I don't know do do kid do kids like have like a their their you know their the name that they go by um, as as something they input on uh, a, a sheet of paper that's like Wes W M Stroger. Oh no, um, <laughs> I actually didn't know what my real first name was until I was like seven. Um, my parents even called me Wes, and I really only found out when I became completely aware of what my middle name was. Uh-huh. My middle name is Weston. Uh-huh. So I remember thinking, my name is not Wes Weston. Like, that sounds weird. <laughs> so I had that to ask my awesome. parents what my name was. That and sounds like, like the best cowboy. I knew my name was Wes, but I had to go to my mom and dad and be like, I know my name's not Wes. What's my name? <laughs> and this is like, you know, a little kid, like, uh-huh. being like, hey, mom, hey, dad, what is going on? Because... <laughs> What you've been calling me is, even to my small mind, not my name. <laughs> I really do like Wes Weston, though. I feel yeah, like. I, but it was like, I, I have this memory. I was in, like, pre-K, like, looking at the coats and thinking, like, my name's not Wes Weston. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just been, you know, one of those things. And I've just been thinking about it ever since. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's something they hear about on a regular basis. I love to give them crap for it. Um, you can also curse on this radio show if you so wish okay, to choose um, this radio show. This, yeah. <laughs> this, welcome to the old time broadcast, you two. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, um, no, um, but you can also not curse on this show. Okay. Like you can, so it's not mandatory. No, it's not mandatory. Me. But if you would like to, like if you, if, you know, if you feel comfortable doing so, you're more than welcome. Sure, to. absolutely. It's good. That's good to know. Yeah. I don't want to. <laughs> like I said before we started, I don't want this to be the last and unaired episode of this <laughs> right. podcast. That's that's why we tear the labels off of drinks because <laughs> until we get that sponsorship, we ain't handing out those sponsorships. Sure. <laughs> yeah, as, you know, that's that's fair. It's smart. <laughs> Um, but no, and then I, I loved the dad joke too. Like, what kind of a five year old comes up with such a clever? Oh dad yeah, joke? Uh, it's like one of the things that whenever my parents were irritating my brother and I, which you know, parents irritate kids. We love to give them crap that my brother, his name is Dana. It's four letters long. My name is two letters long. He has as many vowels in his name as I have letters. So he has a word, and I have kind of a sound <laughs> that I have co opted into a word just saying the two letters. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I wish I had a real name. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we start episode 18 of the WTF Carbonell podcast with WM Stroger. Uh, it's the podcast where we talk to interesting people about their interesting lives. And we tie it all back together and connect it to this lovely little place we call home, Carbondale, Illinois. Um, Wes... WM. <laughs> it's either one. It's uh, fine. I wish your middle name started with a D. <laughs> WMD Stroger. Yeah, I mean, they they set themselves up for so much and just like <laughs> washed it out somewhere in the middle. It just got such a normal middle name. It's I mean it's it's nice because now I have a regular name people know me by. Yeah. But I mean, they could have just gone for broke. <laughs> and they didn't. <laughs> just dropped the ball. Really knocked it out. No, I love that, man. That's fun. Um, so you, we know each other because we worked in restaurants together. Yeah, absolutely. Worked um, at a pizza did place I? Did I? Time. Was I managing when you when you were like working? Working? Um, was that like at the? I think at the end when I was there, because oh, yeah. I was there a while before you were there. Um, mm-hmm. I was there for like seven or eight years. I was yeah. there forever. Um, but yeah, I think do. towards the end, like for a year and a like about a year, maybe a little bit longer, you were managing there. I mm-hmm. think you were. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you were. That sounds right. I spent more time with your brother for sure. Oh yeah, it was real, real fun to work with. Him <laughs> and his always wearing soccer jerseys and stuff, living the good life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sounds <laughs> like him. <laughs> it's just, it's just cool, man. And for you to be like, yeah, now he's like working with state and crunching numbers and doing yeah. like real stuff, like complete opposite from what you would expect. <laughs> Seeing him when he was 18 to 22, he has. Got a real person job now. Right. Does real things. Yeah. Um, and he's fantastic at it. Yeah, he's ah, doing That's great. what we all do when we get older. <laughs> yeah, like, just oh, do now, something. Now I got go, to grow up. <laughs> uh, why? Yeah, I can't. Uh, I couldn't. I would never have imagined Dana as someone who would have crunched numbers for his living. But yeah, he loves crafting budgets. It's his, it's his jam. He gets all into it. Uh, he just loves this stuff. Did you think that you would work at the university museum in a position like you're working in now? Mm, never yes and no so like 
right when I, f- I, I think I was finishing up grad school was the last year in it was mm-hmm. when the original, cu- one of the older curators, Nate Steinbrink retired mm-hmm. and they hired the, his replacement, Allison Erasmus, um, who's fantastic. Uh, they had like a call and I was one of the applicants for it. So I thought about it then, but it's one of those like, yeah, it would be really cool to work at this museum. I know a lot of the stuff, but it was never something I put like, it wasn't my dream or goal, but like, I have to come back in five years to be the curator of exhibits at the University Museum in Carbondale where everything I've done to this point is a failure. No, it wasn't anything like that. Like, it was always something that would have I always thought would have been really cool and fun to come back and get to work with this collection that I yeah. know so well. But it wasn't like, this is my only career aspiration. Uh, I have to do this. Everything yeah. will build up towards this moment. Yeah, but you it's, just, just kind of landed back in Carbondale. Yeah, uh, but it's been great. Yeah, I've loved the job. How did you get here the first go around? Uh, so, both my dad and his sister are SIU alumni. Okay. So it was always kind of on my radar as one mm-hmm. of the colleges I went to visit, and honestly, I fell in love with campus the minute I came down here. Um, it's a strange part of campus that I fell in love with. It was the triads. So it was these little like three-story dorms. Uh-huh. But I really loved all like the trees and the common areas in between them. So like they're knocked down now. So no one but my memory gets to experience yeah. this. Uh, but they had like this big stone co- like commons area, like concrete with these trees growing up around it. And it was really a nice integration of dorms and woods and you're still close to everything. Uh-huh. And like the minute I was there, I was like, okay, this is where I want to go to college. Like this is, is that, was that really, is that really a thing that like students experience? Is, you know, cause I, 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 don't, I don't have that being like the townie, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't get to click on that, but like to really like you walk on to the quad and you're like, this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Like, that's and it was literally that specific part of campus. It was like, this is the only place I want to go to school. Like hmm. if it's not here, I don't know where it's going to be because none of the other schools that I've been to looked anything like this. This I, is where I want. I think that's uh, I think that's like the new marketing trick that somebody needs to pitch to, to SIU. It's like, listen, we just need to set up little like student traps all over <laughs> yeah. campus. Make this seem really appealing right. and then they're just never going to want to leave. Yeah, that's it. That's it. If you get them in on the one thing, like I don't care what it is. It could be it could be the the, the buggy dome pavilion. <laughs> it could be, you know, something out by the boat dock. It could be, you know, whatever. I don't know. But figure out what those things are and just – Turn your students through there. Every 15 minutes, I want a new yeah, student just like going out need, to the crap There's spot. an opening. Get someone over there now. We have <laughs> student tours all around campus. We need to schedule this. It's just a rotation. Get them moving. There's no reason. Uh, and they don't they don't fall in love in groups. If you run a group through, it's not how that's going to work. Like, yeah, and I guess that was the time. other thing. My, uh, my mom and I had split off from the group that we were touring with. Uh-huh. We were just wandering around campus on our own. Yeah. And that's when I really got the sense of this is where I wanted to go to school at. See, that, that's phenomenal, too, right? Like, that your love for this, like, place was sparked by what you should do in this place, which is, like, free-flow roaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was... I loved the idea that I could be so close to nature because that's always been a big part of my life. Uh Um, Back when I was in Boy Scouts, we went camping all of the time. So I spent a lot of time outside. I grew up in the country in the Mm -hmm. middle of nowhere. So my brother and I were outside a lot. Um, So it was really important to me to have that continuing. I didn't want to go to a school that was in the middle of the city where I was be completely removed from green space and the ability to go out in nature. Did you, um, were you in Scouts for a long time? Yeah, uh, I had my Eagle Scout Award. So that's freaking awesome yeah so i, I feel like i knew that. that one too but i just i rediscovering <laughs> things with people that you haven't talked to in a while is a, another fun thing about this podcast mm-hmm. how like how did you get into boy scouts oh just i'm sure it 
was mainly because my parents needed us out of the house. And then why did you stay in Boy Scouts? For probably the same reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like if I had had my, I'm sure that high school me, given the option, would have wanted to sit at home and play computer games on Monday night. But instead, I went to Boy Scout meetings and then got to go camping on the weekends. So it, I mean, like my parents made the right call, forcing me to go do that. But. <laughs> I'd love to say it was my decision, a hundred percent. Psych. Yeah, but it was, it was one not. of those. No, you're you're going. You cannot <laughs> quit. You don't. You don't have an activity to fill its place. Go. <laughs> Are you happy that you did go all the way? Absolutely. Through? Yeah, I have no regrets about it. Um, I had a great time in Boy Scouts. Went on a lot of fun camping trips, so it was great. What uh, like so. I feel like there are different levels of people that have like takeaways from becoming an Eagle Scout, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I know a handful of Eagle Scouts who like really take it at all different levels of seriousness. Some people that are like, I am the Eagle Scout and this is the creed that I live by. And I, you know, I oh, am no. that way. <laughs> no. I've got somebody that's like, yeah, I'm an Eagle Scout and that's what makes me and I can do this and I'm an Eagle Scout. And then you're just kind of like, yeah, man, I'm an Eagle Scout. I made it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I got the thing. <laughs> I got the badge. <laughs> it was right at the end of the line. I was like a couple months before I couldn't get it anymore and uh -huh. I had to quit. Um, Cause you can only be a scout till you're 18 and then you go on to something else. So, like, so if you don't get Eagle Scout before, if it, yeah, before you're 18, there's, there's, you don't get to make it. I, I think it's 18. It's been, I mean, it's been, 14 years yeah, since fair. that point fair. so um <laughs> yeah it was like right at the buzzer i got my eagle award so i mean it's a thing that i have <laughs> it's not something i really ever think about right um it affects none of my life decisions there you go there you go that's probably that's, that's probably a very reasonable way to look at it as well I, yeah. I appreciate that i appreciate that so when you came when you came down here was like the the what you do now something that you even had in mind or is this something that like developed as an interest through education and through schooling or so, were you just like man that that curator market's red hot gotta get into that <laughs> oh, God. no one has ever said that. that's <laughs> that's not a thing um love my job it's great but no one has ever been like there are so many openings for museum positions we need more graduates um <laughs> So basically my, so my dad's an artist. He uh -huh. has a, a master's in fine arts. So like we grew up surrounded by art. My brother uh -huh. and I helped him make stuff our whole childhood. Every, like I was thinking on my walk here, I can remember like three family trips that didn't include some sort of visit to an art gallery or yeah. two or a museum. So it's not like I came to college wanting to be a museum professional. Um, I really didn't have much of an idea what I wanted to be. Uh, I was an undeclared major for a while. Um, but what really, I really wanted to get involved on campus. Yeah. So I knew I liked art. I had been doing it up until college. I took as many art classes as I could. I did after school. I, I did like summer camps for art. Um, so I just got involved at the museum. I walked in one day and said, hi, my name is Wes. I did not tell them my real name. Um, <laughs> and I said, I want to get involved. Is there any way I can help out around the museum? Um, so they sent me from the office. They're like, okay, we'll just send this kid downstairs to Nate. He'll find <laughs> some weird task for him to do, and it might be the last time he shows up. Little did they know that I had a history with construction. So I've been, I did construction for a couple years in high school during uh -huh. the summer, so I have experience building things. I was pretty handy. I mean, I'm an 18-year-old, so I'm not like a master carpenter yeah. or anything like that. But you like were that. an Eagle Scout, damn it. Yeah, and I actually <laughs> did build wooden benches. So, like, <laughs> I can build things. Um, but, yeah, it was mainly me just trying to get involved on SIU campus and make it more of a 
an experience that I could get something out of. Because like mm -hmm. I said, at that point, I was an undeclared major, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And as I kept volunteering, um, working in exhibits became a career path I could see myself down. It's something that I enjoy. I don't get tired of it. Um, I show up to work, and most of the time, there's a new challenge. There's a new exhibit to put up, yeah. a new thing to figure out. So it's always a new set of tasks that I have to handle. And it's a wide variety of things. Like I do design work, I do carpentry, I interview people. I just, it's a whole range of things. So I've been able to use all of my degrees in this really strange way <laughs> in this arts-based major. Oh, that's or arts-based career, sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's like a career that's like a major part of my life, man. No, yeah. So, I mean, like uh, so when I wake up, I do this. And <laughs> are you are you like tearing stuff down and building stuff like in the museum to um, accommodate exhibits? Is that part of what what? So you we don't do so much fabrication at the SIU museum. Mm -hmm. So um, we do build some exhibit furniture. We try and build as little as possible because oh, we have quite a bit on hand. Right, um, we have a, a huge amount of display cases and movable walls. So the mm -hmm. main thing we do is we re, we do layouts for galleries. So mm -hmm. we have 20 plus walls that we put in custom layouts for shows. So it's always like, I guess it's kind of like Legos or connects kind of, uh -huh. I guess more like connects than Legos. Cause mm -hmm. we're not like stacking things so they can't fall down. We have to like get them just perfectly together. So they like actually lock in place. Um, but yeah, it's, I like, I really like the job because it allows me to be creative in a really interesting way and just use that energy in a variety of paths. Are so. you yourself an artist? Uh, no. no I'm, <laughs> I'm not very good at it. I mean, like, I, I can paint a little bit, uh -huh. but I don't feel like it's any good. No, I mean, I've tried. I still occasionally do it, but it's like, Oh, I made that, and I put it up on the shelf and forget about <laughs> it. Like, and that's going to get dusty now. Yeah, I'm like, and that was a thing that I did. Maybe six months from now, I'll do another one. Um, but no, I mean, like, I always drew as a kid. I took drawing and painting classes, ceramics, metals, like, jewelry making, graphic design. That's mm -hmm. the thing that's attracted me more in the arts than my actual ability to paint or mm -hmm. anything like that is graphic design work. Um, it's more fun for me Yeah, because it's, you know, not reliant on me painting and me watching myself paint and be mm -hmm. like, this is crap, this sucks, <laughs> keep going, maybe in the end you can do something with it. But I never can. It's right. always not good. I mean, it's not bad, it's but not it's just good. like, it's somewhere so hard in the middle that it's just like, why did I even spend time on this? Like, I could have done so many other things this hour. Oh, man, that's phenomenal. That's, I mean, is that like, so So what are your, like, what are your, so because you, I mean, the work seems like it's a work of somebody who would be a hobbyist, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's one of those things that you, you have to be able to treat it uh, from a perspective of hobbyist consumption because that's who you're trying to appeal to ultimately is somebody who's going to intake what you produce as leisure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. That's an interesting point. Yeah, museums are like a leisure activity. So, mm -hmm. like, I've always viewed them not like they're in direct competition with things like amusement parks or playgrounds or like even in Southern Illinois, giant city, yeah. we're not directly in competition with them, but we kind of are because like we're trying to fight for people's justification to go out and do things. Yeah. So um, like, I guess I'm a little bit of a hobbyist. I'm mainly a huge nerd. Mm -hmm. um, so I play a lot of D and D uh, <laughs> and magic, the gathering, like, nice major nerd uh, i cannot stress that anymore um but like i've always like been pretty handy like i build things i like um 
I've built like a couple benches, like things around the house yeah. I'm good at building. I built a bed frame, I don't know, just a bunch of random stuff. If I need it, I'll try and build it. Nice. Um, doesn't always go as planned, but you know. Did you, spend, I, uh, did you spend some of your college years or some of your current years at Castle Perilous? Is that a. Uh, yeah, some of them. Nice. Yeah, probably more time than I should have. <laughs> but, you know, it happens. And I'm, I'm gonna at some point in time, I'm gonna reach out to Scott and be like, "All right, Scott, I'm 35 episodes in on the podcast. It's your turn. Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, he's he's one of I'm like banking people for later on because it's like I can't just start doing this, run out of all the interesting people in the first hundred, and sure. be like done or like you know bank it where it's like I got a bunch of really good guests up the front and then uh, start running out of people. Yeah, like, then it's just people i found around town yeah (laughs) it's like hey random person on the street oh turns out you've climbed seven mountains on seven continents and sailed the seven seas oh okay that person's in carbondale i don't live in carbondale if they're in carbondale i don't know why you're talking to me so (laughs) go find that person because way more interesting uh but that's the kind of people that carbondale is full of you probably get to run across a lot of them i imagine yeah i mean museums attracted interesting group yeah. so we i always get to meet i mean artists are great people um and there's a wide variety of people that get that pursue that so it's always interesting characters that i get to meet and it's been a lot of fun uh how so you've been how long have you been doing with with whatever you've done at carbondale plus your time with other organizations how what would so you, you want to go back as far as undergrad because like i started volunteering sure. at the museum in 2007 right. so you're 13 so you're 13, 13 years, years into this who's the most interesting person you've run across in that time can you recall somebody is there somebody that sticks out if not that's fine but i'm just curious mm, oh man a lot of people uh one of my favorite people that i met was when i lived in ohio his name's rick Millette. Uh-huh. We actually got to bring him down here for an exhibit, and he's a muralist. He's a great guy, a lot of fun to be around, always positive. Um, and he has a great, like, idea for why he makes art. Uh-huh. So he's a, he's a muralist. So he makes 20-plus-foot-long, 10-foot-high, freehand murals. Yep. And he's made, I think, close to 30 at this point, uh-huh. and there's only, like, three that exist still. What? So he makes them with the intent that they'll be destroyed because uh-huh. he views it as, a like, a creative therapy Dude, for him could he he sh- could he would he be what he would he want to come do carbondale cycle uh he did actually i don't know he might oh um God. but i don't know he actually yeah so when we first opened up he came down from ohio yeah and did two murals live in the museum so he was here for a week uh-huh. and he did two freehand murals on the walls in one of our galleries and he did it with the understanding and intent that yeah. we paint over them when they were done so i i mean seriously if that's something that that like is his thing right there is nothing better than carbondale cycle as we prepare to build the multimodal system mm-hmm. right like you know and again i'm not, I'm not just throwing out ideas here if this yeah if this no, is absolutely. what this dude does as he his it. agent i can say <laughs> <laughs> but like you know to because it's for sure going to get tore down, but it's for sure an iconic thing. And people would, I mean, just absorb so much from it. So planning that idea, we'll talk about that afterwards. <laughs> Mr. Agent. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I get no commissions. Don't, they do not count me as that. No. Mm-hmm. Would you, do, you, do you work with people's agents and stuff? Like, is that a thing um, that you – Is that a thing no. that even exists in the museum yes, world? Yes, it does. Okay. Like, there are agencies that represent multiple artists – 
we do get some emails from them, but um, with how we operate and the kind of artists that we're able to get that are either SIU alumni or local, we tend to not go through those channels. Um, we operate on a more like direct basis with artists. So mm -hmm. someone like someone will have an exhibit and they'll give us a name of someone and we'll go talk to that person kind of thing. Okay. So it's a lot of word of mouth from artists that we get some of our leads from. Proper networking. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, it's actually meeting people. Uh, I, like I said, we do get like uh, regular mailing things from agencies that'll be like, here are six artists that we have, and they have openings in 2025 for these months. Uh -huh. Do you have any openings? And it's like, well, probably, but I mean, I don't work. I mean, we do schedule stuff years in advance, but we're not there yet. So, like, <laughs> yeah, 2025 is open, but I'm not booking it. So, <laughs> yeah. 2025 is open. Oh my god! To even try and think about the the, yeah, the, so the near future, let alone the far future. So it's stuff like right that. Now. So like, yeah, I mean, we get stuff where it's like it's six months from now. We have an artist. Can we and like a lot of times it's we just it doesn't work out logistically. Where yeah, their exhibit would be too large, and we have this tiny gallery space available. So it's yeah. like, no, I'm not going to even get in contact with them because it's going to be a waste of both our times. Because I can just tell that this 10 foot painting is not going to fit in this giant, like this giant painting is not going to fit in this tiny Our gallery. doors don't open wide enough for that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Your art's too big. <laughs> <laughs> Come to SIU Carbondale, home yeah. of the tiny art museum. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, well, okay. There we go. What's this? Okay. You, well, you, you've got something you obviously want to talk about. Oh you no, I was going to say we, uh, we have some large paintings on display in the museum fairly regularly. Um, yeah, I think we had a guy from St. Louis, great guy, uh, SIU grad named Ying Zhui Zhou. Mm -hmm. He's Chinese. Um, he makes these like 25 foot long murals. Mm -hmm. And we had four of them on display in the museum. Uh, and that was fantastic because, I mean, they, are, they were huge, like floor mm -hmm. to ceiling things. Um, we've had paintings by Najjar Abdul Musawir mm -hmm. that are bigger than the walls we have. And then, you know, sometimes we have tiny little paintings on display as well. So, you know, <laughs> it's everything from a 11 foot tall painting to a seven inch tall painting, you know, what's the, what's the smallest piece of art that you've ever worked to exhibit? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. We, uh, do you consider photography art? Cause we have a bunch yeah. of little, little like, you know, like Polaroid yeah, size. Postcard, postcard. Uh, playing card size, a little bit smaller yeah. from like the Civil War area. Do I we have some of that on display? Yeah, art. that's right. You you tell those photographers yeah. where they belong. Ooh, WM. I'm sorry, photographers. <laughs> you do make art. It is valued, and I appreciate it. I promise. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> and what you make now used to be a lot more difficult to make, but it's it's totally okay. Still great. <laughs> it's I very love good. It. It's we on appreciate there's you. some of it on display in the museum currently. We love photography. Hashtag for the grams. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, nah, man, that's um, that's that's fun. So, uh, do, uh, did you say what you actually got your degree in? Oh no, so I have two degrees. Okay, I have an undergraduate. Ooh, Mr. Two Degrees. Yeah, I'm here. fancy. <laughs> I have two degrees from SIU. I have an undergraduate degree in history uh -huh. and a master's degree in public administration with my concentration being museum administration. Nice. Um, at the time, it was a de uh, the hottest market. <laughs> yeah, man, I set myself up so well. You have no idea. Um, so, at the time, though. I had a really unique degree because it was one of the, I believe it was the only program in the United States that offered museum studies at an administrative level. Yeah. Um, 
So like most of them are fine arts or history based, and this is in the public administration department. Yeah, yeah. That they have this like weird like nonprofit offshoot thing that you know I have. So I have a public administration degree. Yeah. Uh, that I use to you know be the curator at a museum. So you know, <laughs> very applicable. Great schooling. I loved my time. Here. Oh, that's phenomenal! You're you're the you're the second MPA that I've had on this podcast. For well, Jessica will be an MPA soon enough, but Jessica mm. Bradshaw um, is is finishing up her MPA. She was on here. I guess I guess I'm just gonna keep banking MPAs <laughs> for the podcast. There are like, some great people that are from there. Um, yeah, some big names came from there. Uh, Gary Williams. Oh he, yeah, oh yeah. No, my, no. Gary's on class. the advisory board for the MPA program, if I recall correctly. Uh, so am I. I was on. Are you? Oh, yes, nice. I okay, actually am too. Sense. Yeah, go figure. Uh, museum <laughs> professional, advisor for the MPA department. Nice. Um, but yeah, I had classes with Gary. Um, oh man, I wish I could remember some other names, but there's a lot of people from aviation, uh -huh. um, uh, paralegal, not paralegal, uh, law. Yeah. So we actually had the MPA department at the time had a joint degree with the law school where you got a joint MPA and JD. Mm -hmm. So you took like those, I feel so bad for those. What a they took like 30 credit hours or so, like, not that, not that many, but yeah. like 20 plus credit hours a semester in grad school because they had, it was like a three year track that they had to get two complete degrees in basically. And I think they still have it. That's and a grind. Those buddy. kids are amazing. Yeah. I would not have done it. I, I could not have done it. Yeah. It would have killed me. You know, I've been I've been trying to think about like, well, what are what are the pot? You know, in the next ten years, right? Like, I, I got I got time. My thirties is a good time to figure out when would a good time to be to get a, to get an actual like advanced degree mm -hmm. in the master's realm. And like, well, yeah, I probably want an MPA over an MBA, just like leaning towards that direction in life and all. But now that you've told me that an option exists that is both JD and MPA oh, all in one track, if you do hate yourself and yeah. have no time. Or have all the free time yeah. and all of the self-loathing, you can get that degree because hey, it's I, you handcuffed to a desk. I won't. I won't kick my children out of the house when they turn eighteen. I will make them both get proper jobs, making just enough money that they can cover all the bills in the house, and they have to stay put. Well, that's a I that's a plan. <laughs> I mean, you have time. You that's can start it. drafting this and build it out so you have. A 10-point plan set yep. in place. Like, okay, so you're 18. Congratulations. Here's your job. Now I'm going back to school. <laughs> <laughs> we are now switching. <laughs> tag in, tag out. <laughs> yeah. My turn. I'm going back to school. That's you get it. to be the adult. That's it. Bye. <laughs> I feel like they would buy into that, too. I, feel, I just, I got, I got good stepkids. I got well, good that's step great. Um, yeah. I mean, get this plan going early. You could probably get some early stages where you get start giving them higher level chores mm -hmm. or something like that. So it gives them more sense of responsibility oh, I've, I've and already... obligation around the yeah. house. So they feel like, well, I can't leave. He's going to go back to school when I'm 18. <laughs> he keeps talking about it. I've, I've, I have to be here. I've somehow by, by turning by turning adulthood into more of a playful thing. Right. Um, you know, being really frank uh, about uh, adult happenings. Uh, in life with my kids, like when I got fired from uh, uh, from a job uh, the, 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 two months ago, right? I like explained to the kids, like in a in a playful way, like ah, here's how getting fired from a job works, and here's you know how to how to always be mindful of what your surroundings are, and mm -hmm. blah blah blah. And it's like I'm at, you know I'm I'm accidentally adult. I'm not accidentally. I am adultizing <laughs> these children. Well, at the same time, like allowing them to see some sort of play in childhood sure. in the actual act of adulting. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you know, it can seem daunting. Yeah. And, you know, 
paying bills and going to a job every day is a lot of fun. Yeah. But there is, there is some levity to be had in it. I legitimately just had this talk with a set of high schoolers earlier today that are in uh, the the on-the-job training program. Oh, I got to have Jenna on this podcast as a guest now, too. <laughs> Aha. And she owes me favors. So there you go. Like, this, is, this is a trade-off that's, now. It's like, hey, somebody. I spoke to your class. That um, is a, a couple line. times. Like, you know, I got I got, I got about like three or four favors cashing all at once. Can you spend an hour and a half talking to me? <laughs> anyway, sorry. This is your hour, Wes, not somebody Thank else's you. hour. I'm so Thank sorry. Thank you, Nathan. I'm I so felt sorry. like we were straying too far away from me yeah yeah in, in this been... time <laughs> and it needs to be about me <laughs> so preparing uh preparing these kids uh to to <laughs> to be adults at 18 and to pay all the bills for the house while i go back to school i love the idea um and I, and I, and I think i can i think i can trick them into it i think probably don't want to take my advice on that it's ah, founded on nothing other than having to be around my little brother in the middle of nowhere <laughs> hey and look at how data it. turned out let's be oh, real man i would not we barely made it <laughs> you, that's a fair assessment we almost uh we barely made it <laughs> it could have gone one way or the other it could have it could have you, <laughs> you guys could be living in a uh, in a two room flat right now, mm. just together trying to figure life out. Going, oh man, I gotta go, gotta killing go to work other. again. We would have been killing each other. <laughs> That's what would have happened. Have you guys ever lived together before? Yeah, we have. Um, we lived together after college for or after high school for like a year, uh-huh. year and a half, something like that. Yeah, he and I. We, I mean, now that we're not living at our parents' house and we got to make our own rules and stay up as late <laughs> as we want, uh, <laughs> things were better. Yeah. This is this has been this is such an enjoyable conversation. I I didn't because we, we hadn't talked in forever, and I wasn't sure what your energy level was going to be coming into this conversation. And very all that, low, so, very low. Real. I'm going to be a real downer. <laughs> I'm going to be very sad. I promise. <laughs> Uh, and your and your just absolute pure energy has just perked me up, man. I really, really enjoyed that. So we've got, dude, we've still got half an hour on the podcast. I haven't like, I'm not, talked I'm not for an hour yet. Right now, huh? Whoa, I haven't talked for an hour yet. Yeah, no, no. You said an hour's worth of words. Oh my! You just, you just haven't talked for an hour. Something up. Yeah. So, so you, so let's start going through through college sure, life yeah. in Carbondale. Did you mm-hmm. do you feel like you had an interesting college life in Carbondale? Um. Yeah, I had a very yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Without getting into specifics, um, I've had cons. I, so I owned a house. That's yeah. something most college kids don't. I had concerts in my house, um, and it was a regular people house. It wasn't like a party house. We trash. I mean, we we trashed it. It's a bunch <laughs> of eighteen year olds with their own house. <laughs> how would that ever go bad? Um, um, <laughs> But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I met a lot of great people, a lot of strange adventures, um, and yeah, it's it was a it was a time. Has it stopped? Have you have you stopped the strange adventures? Oh no, Carbondale? they've just become stranger, um, <laughs> stranger with stranger people. Um, I love the new people. They're just the new type of strange. They're great. We're all weird. <laughs> You gotta be weird to live in this town. It's the that, only way it works. And it's not even like ah, keep Austin weird kind of crap. That's a marketing gimmick for Austin. Yeah, no, we are just this is just Carbondale. We're proper weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone here, including me, I'm weird. <laughs> Putting that out there. <laughs> so you, I, I didn't. Uh, so where, where? Because you were, you were talking about this house being on the west side. Where, where were you like anywhere near any other party houses? Or were you like this standalone? No. Just, 
in the middle of the west side, like on Gray Drive, which is off of Emerald and oh, Sunset. Like, yeah, yeah. Real people house area. Like real people house, real neighbors with kids and yeah. families, and me with all the furniture pushed to the walls with bands set up in my living room and kegs out back. Like, <laughs> that was me. And, you know, we threw, lit fireworks off in the front yard. Um, we're general terrors around the neighborhood, I'm sure. Cops came pretty frequently. Um, <laughs> I'm sure my parents would love to hear that. Um, yeah, it was, it was a blast. Um, met a lot of great people, a lot of great parties. Um, but yeah. Undergrad was something. <laughs> I can't. I don't know how far I want to get into it, but no, it was. No, we, it don't, was we don't. We don't have, we don't have to get super far into it. We don't have to get super far into it. Was it? Um, was it mostly pre everybody documenting stuff on Facebook days, or was it like um, as that was just starting to become the thing? It was pretty much the beginning of it. Uh, so like Facebook became open to people outside of college, literally the year I went to college. Okay. So it's like the beginning of it. So everyone was documenting things, but not like, not like it is now. Yeah. Um, so there's probably some less than classy pictures of me online. There's probably, uh, there's probably, some luckily they're not tagged as you. Yeah, they're not. Uh, there's definitely some <laughs> pictures of me asleep, drunk on the floor. Some places, um, I can promise that you have to dig for them, but they're out there. Um, but yeah, here's the deal, man. If you ever want to be able to prove to somebody that you went to SIU, if you don't have those pictures, you didn't go to SIU. Yeah, I mean that's a thing. Um, <laughs> you gotta have those stories, or you just didn't really have a Carbondale experience. You just like you missed a big chunk of it. <laughs> I can't, I'm kicking the camera in front of me right now, just <laughs> having too much fun. The um, oh god, I having grown up here having have had these experiences not just through college life but even in like high school mm -hmm. like it, it's it's crazy to still be it, to still be like oh okay and like around people because carbondale keeps half of the people that you used to party with are still are still here that's uh, half of them get to leave half of them stay here that's the carbondale rule <laughs> <laughs> and you are one half of somebody else's half. Yeah. I mean, or you are one part of somebody else's half. It's guaranteed. <laughs> I'm on lists somewhere. And, and, and forever and ever, you, you will always cycle through this, <laughs> this group of people with whom you have had these relationships and you have partied so hardy. <laughs> but, but wait, you'll now have adult conversations and reminisce about what used yeah, to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's fond <laughs> memories of standing around. Remember that one time I did that keg stand at that one party? Uh -huh. That was a time. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> and I imagine people just, like, running into people they used to go to college with at airports or, like, in the city or wherever else. And it's like, yeah, it's like it's always going to be that thing. Mm -hmm. I, I remember SIU. We were there at the same Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we were there. <laughs> that was a thing. And I, you know, I, I'm sure I'm sure it's similar at at other colleges, but in a in again in a different way. Yeah, Just, I mean, SIU is a unique here. animal, and it it's a great place. I've had a lot of fun in Carbondale. I'm both times when I when I was an undergrad in grad school, and then when I've now that I've come back, it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. So where, where where did you like? Did you just go to one place when you left here the first time, or did you like jumped around to a couple different places? Um, a little bit of jumping around. So like after I finished grad school here, um, I got a job out in Ohio at the Cincinnati Museum Center, which mm -hmm. is the largest freestanding half dome in the Western Hemisphere, and it is a <laughs> yeah fun fact <laughs> yeah um, 
half dome, not full dome. Yeah. It's like clam. Trust me, man. I'm sitting with a half dome right here. That's yeah, there you go. I mean, you're <laughs> on board with it. Um, but yeah, I got a job out there working with their special exhibits, uh, being like a floor manager kind of thing. Uh-huh. And then shortly into that position, I got another position there working on their exhibit fabrication team. So like we built exhibit furniture, like pedestals and platforms mm-hmm. and did installations and deinstallations. And I did that for a couple years. And then I moved back to Illinois, and then I got a private contract to design and install an exhibit in northern Illinois for a small museum. And then this job opened up down here. So it was just, I finished that contract, and then this job was just available. So I applied for it. So it just kind of worked out great. That's cool. And you're, I feel like you said this earlier, and I've already forgotten it, but where you guys were from central Illinois? Yeah, um, I'm from a small town outside of Champaign. Okay. Um, I can guarantee there's probably one person tops that knows where it's at. Nice. Uh, it's a town called Seymour. It's like 400 people or something nice. like that. One of the largest, largest towns in central Illinois based on like acreage and uh-huh. like town size because it's all cornfields. <laughs> so it's just like this tiny little like spot in the middle of these cornfields and bigger than Champaign. It's just like, like the cornfields. The township is huge, yeah. but the town is tiny. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I mean, then that's that's what people don't get about Illinois is its makeup of like just how it is, mm-hmm. right? Like you know, and I'm I'm sure California and New York have the same you know issue of oh yeah, well California is way more than just San Francisco or Los Angeles or Humboldt County or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. Illinois is a lot more than just, oh, no, no, it's just corns and beans. Just yeah, kidding. No, it's, there's Chicago at the top, and the rest of it's corn. Yep. It's just all a big field. Until you get to the bumpy part, down at the bottom tip. And yeah, it's, it's just, just like things at the gross. top and bottom, the rest of it, cornfields. That's <laughs> it. Um, Barack Obama, I can't remember what the um, – uh, oh, what what the news piece was. But I just remember the, the, the quote. He, he was like riding in the car or something, and he was like, oh, well, that's corns. And uh, that's beans. <laughs> it's yeah. like, and this is Illinois. No, <laughs> yeah, he's he was accurate, hundred percent accurate. That's an authentic Central Illinois experience: is corn and beans. Yeah, <laughs> I grew up in the middle of nowhere, closest neighbor half a mile away. Yep. Most like half of the year we had an eight foot tall corn fence around us. The other half, it's like living on Mars. There's <laughs> nothing around you. Your house is on top of a hill, and it's barren fields. It's just like look at all of the not life around. Me. So, did you guys were were your parents involved in farming? You guys just lived in the midst of. Yeah, farms. we just lived in the midst of it. Uh, my parents got their house forever ago. Um, it was a farmhouse. They had to do a bunch of work on to get it back to livable. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad. Uh, was an artist and then had a construction company and my mom's an accountant neither of them are farmers so you and your brother are really like apples not falling far from the tree yeah probably i mean unfortunately (laughs) i'm a lot like my dad and my brother's a lot like my mom um (laughs) we did not fall very far much to both of our chagrins and you guys are both pretty decent people and you're a little hippy dippy ish and your parents are a little hippy dippy ish if you say so i'll take that as a compliment yeah no no absolutely no that's a (laughs) That's a in Carbondale. It's a compliment. Yeah, I don't know I what mean, it would be like elsewhere. <laughs> I I absolutely felt that as a compliment. <laughs> good, good, good. Um, that is what it was meant as. Um, yeah. So you know that's that's a that is an interesting component to the story, mm-hmm. right? That that you guys each followed kind of, you know. Oh yeah, unexpectedly. Absolutely. I'm yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, there's no way we would have both predicted that. Like, yeah, I'm gonna follow an arts based career like my dad, where I 
I do artistic things, but I also build things, and my brother's a number cruncher. Yeah. Um, yeah neither one of us would have picked that. We would have told you you were dumb and wrong, <laughs> and we would have gotten mad and stormed out of the room, most likely. Um, but here we are. So how, how close are you guys in age? Uh, like, just over three years, three and a half years apart. Okay. Uh, yeah, three years, actually almost exactly six months. His birthday's in October, mine's in April. So we're like 20 days apart from being three and a half months exact. Or do you feel like that was exactly. a good, do you feel like that was a good amount of time in between you guys? Like in terms of like you being able to be influential on your brother and your brother be able to just leave you alone when need be or whatever. <laughs> like, like was your, you know, do you guys feel like you, it would have been different if you guys were a year apart versus three and a half years apart versus. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I never thought about that. If we were closer, we probably would have gotten into more trouble. Um, <laughs> but it's it was Dana is like the same size as me. He's taller than me. Yeah. So our whole childhood, we were the same size. Were so, you really? Yeah. Like he grew faster than me. He's tall. He's a couple inches taller than me. But like <laughs> whole childhood, same uh -huh. size. We were we still wear the, like the same size everything. We were the same size clothes. Uh, so it's been like two people that are the same size that are three years apart. Uh -huh. So it's like having a partner in crime my whole life. So it's hard to tell like. Yeah, he's younger than me, but we still got into the same type of crap and did. Yeah, it was like having someone that was the same age as me. Because, like I said, we lived in the middle of nowhere. Our closest neighbor was half a mile away. My parents uh -huh. are both self-employed. So a lot of the summers were spent with us hanging out on the farm doing chores. It's like, we say farm. Uh, we live, grew <laughs> we up. We also in say the, chores. No, yeah, I'm sure. No, it was chores. <laughs> Th that shit sucked. It was my dad's, like, <laughs> I am sure his, like, crowning achievement peak moment of parenthood was waking up every day in the summer and making a fresh list of chores for my brother and I that had to be done by the end of the day. That's and if we weird. didn't get them done, oh God. <laughs> Not only was your list the next day longer because it was your chores from the day before plus four new ones, you got to hear about it all night. So it was like, <laughs> you better wake up at six in the summer and start your chores and have them done by three or there's going to be hell to pay. And that hell to pay is... Just listen to me cut you down all night yeah, long. Yeah, and it was stuff like, so my parents have a couple, like they have like an acre and a half, and it was uh -huh. like picking up all of the sticks. And we have like a bunch of trees. We have a tree line out there. So it's like four hours of picking up sticks, and you got to like wake up two kids in their early teens to make them go do unsupervised manual labor <laughs> on their own. That, it just didn't go well. Neither yeah. one of us wanted to do it. We both resented the fact we were out there and that the other one was trying to make the other one do it. So... <laughs> It just went as well as you could expect. <laughs> and just this constant charade of antics trying to get. Yeah, and just like <laughs> general resentment for the activities themselves. I'm like, I swear, I feel like the only kid that didn't ever have a fun summer. And that, I, I, I had a fun summer, everyone. I mean, my life Listen, was great. Your whole life like, is a fun summer now, yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Um, but yeah, it was like, <laughs> like everyone, like I talked to my friends, they're like, yeah, we're hanging out because they all lived in town. Like they lived in, I lived next. So Seymour is a joint city, a joint school district, Muhammad, which is a slightly larger town outside of Champaign. Uh -huh. All my friends lived in Muhammad, so they could go mm -hmm. hang out with each other. I live in the middle of a cornfield, like 20 miles you from You got to go there. hang out with your brother in a pile of sticks. Yeah, pretty much. That's about <laughs> how that went. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, like when cable TV became really big, they literally told my parents, you can't have cable. We refuse to run the line out to you. Yeah. So like dial up internet for the longest time, like my sophomore year in high school we got beyond dial-up so there's not even anything you can do on the internet like yeah. there's just nothing to do out there you got sticks buddy i'm gonna keep saying and we did 
We had sticks, and, we've just, and we worked with those sticks, and we picked those sticks up, and we cherished those sticks yeah. to the moment at which we burned them to the ground. We did that too. Um, that was the other upside of living in the country is so Champagne's pretty everything. close to Indiana, <laughs> so my friends, it's like a forty-five minute drive to. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's Shelton Fireworks is uh-huh. the name of it. So there was definitely some days where my friends and I would get off school and be like, get in the car. We're going to go buy a bunch of shit and blow it up today. <laughs> is that So is that where, like, kind of doing the fireworks at the party house? When oh, you I'm got sure, yeah. Older? My friends – oh, yeah. That's the beginning of bad decisions. Um, yeah, just like – I shouldn't say it. Burning textbooks, like – extra ah! books at the end of the year like see if we, like we had smoke like there's like these things are like five minute smoke bombs or whatever where it's like this tube that just smokes yeah. little did you know that stuff's flammable yeah. and well, you can like rip a little bit fire. of the paper and light it and it's a five minute blowtorch um <laughs> had a lot of fun with those um and yeah i progressed to throwing bottle rockets at each other in college so you know a lot of a lot of history with fireworks and none of it's smart i uh, i got shot in my right eye with a roman oh. candle when I was 23 years old. That's permanent cataracts on that eye. Doesn't see out the same as my left eye does. Oh, Haven't had contacts in since. All but stopped shooting guns because of the eye injury. I would imagine. <laughs> not, yeah. not, that, not that it was a gun that shot me in the eye, but it's just, just Still. to say that my right eye is my dominant. It was my shooting eye. Like, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's not a thing anymore. It's not a thing anymore. So, yeah, interesting. Uh, you guys ever have any fireworks injuries, notably? We're always no, um, we were lucky in that aspect. See, I didn't even, I didn't even. Well, we were throwing Jimmy bottle just rockets, by the fire, just floating around. Yeah, and when we were throwing bottle rockets, I mean, they probably would have hurt, and they <laughs> probably could have put out an eye, but we were lucky enough, I guess. Yeah. Where, you know, they're like the little ones. We're like yeah. the fireworks that big, and the sticks like that. And you can light it, and you just like whip it up in the air, and it shoots up. Yeah. And we're doing this next like. Right down the street from the police station too. Yeah. So like peak stupidity. Yeah. Like we're just killing. <laughs> yeah, it but the as police station is already next decisions. to a cornfield anyway. So yeah. Uh, well, this is in college. I'm talking. Oh, about oh, now. oh, oh. Yeah, oh, in the cornfield, oh. it was just like, how many fireworks can we get? Because there's no one coming out here. <laughs> like I said, my closest neighbor's half a mile away. He's a farmer who also lives in town. So for like eight months out of the year, it's like two miles till somebody. So it's just whatever you want to do. We drove go-karts around out in the fields. Um, and that was crazy, like, dirt tracks with the corns down. Uh-huh. A lot of fun. That's so cool. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's there's some components about, like, not having a bunch of neighbors to be mm-hmm. around. But also, I'm sure it was a really cool experience just to, like, wide open country. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's strange living in town. Like, there's a lot of weird habits that you pick up living essentially in isolation that, yeah. like, don't translate well or to yeah living in a city what uh what are i'm interested in some well of like are. peeing outside you can just like <laughs> you live in the country everywhere's your toilet like no that doesn't <laughs> matter that like, is the truth that yeah is, and it's yeah. like it's just you just walk outside like i have to go pee there's people in the bathrooms i'm just gonna there's no one here yeah. i'm going over there like no one go to this <laughs> side of the house like i'm gonna be out there <laughs> And you can't do that in town. No. It's frowned upon. You yeah. get a ticket for that. Yeah. You're on a registry. It's a whole thing. <laughs> but my whole life growing up, it was the other bathroom. Oh, I, I should have sp- <laughs> sprung for the seven-foot fins and not just the four-foot fins. Yeah, it's like the half bath is outside. You just go pee out there. <laughs> the half bath is outside. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to start calling outside when I'm like, Zach. 
Just go to the half bath. <laughs> just go out there. It's fine. It's fine. I promise. <laughs> uh, what 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 else you got? What else? I mean, obviously, I mean, just general light pollution, man. Just being able to like look. Oh up in the yeah, sky that was the weirdest thing. Like, um, so yeah, living in the country, very little light pollution. Yeah, scar stars or sky is filled with stars. Moving into even Carbondale, which isn't a huge population, yeah. it's like a third of the stars. It's crazy. I could see the Milky Way where I grew up. And that's just gone here. You got to go like in the middle of Giant City to be able to see that. Like yeah. the last time I had a, a comparable experience was when I was out on, um, not Little Grassy, uh, not Kincaid. I can't remember one of the lakes around here. Yeah. I was out there really late with a bunch of friends, and we were night canoeing, and I could actually see all of the stars, and everyone was amazed. And it's like, this is finally like the, now you see what I saw every night as a yeah, child. Like this is thing. it. Like this is what the sky looks like, people. Yeah. That happens when you flip the switch to off. <laughs> yeah, this is what it's like when all the lights go off. <laughs> is your brother? Uh, did your brother do scouts too, or was it? just... Yeah, he did it as well. Is he I, also an Eagle Scout? I can't remember. Okay. I, I <laughs> want to say no. He got like so. He and I both did sports our whole childhoods uh -huh. too. So. We both did soccer all the way through high school. Um, That's what it was. He was a big. He was a big soccer guy. Yeah, he okay. and I did soccer all the way till we were eighteen, um, basically all year. So yeah. like we took about like five months off, maybe. So we did like summer, fall, and winter. We did soccer. So that, no, it was summer. When did no? It was like all year because the spring semester. No, spring semester was when I did indoor for a couple months. So, yeah, there was a couple months off every year where I wasn't doing soccer. Mm -hmm. But other than that, like, I was on the swim team growing up. I did golf. I played tennis. Like, my parents just threw us into activities as much mm -hmm. as we could. But he got way – like, he was a ref in high school, so he got out of Boy Scouts. He actually found a legitimate activity to go do instead of me. He was just like, I just don't want to do it anymore. Can I just not go? Can I just, just sit at home? Go. I'm done. Yeah. Cash I, me out. Yeah. I've had <laughs> enough. I've had fun. I have merit badges. I, I just want to play video games sometimes. Were you, uh, did, I mean, did you pick up video games and D&D &D and Magic and all the stuff that you do uh, now, like before or after you moved out of the house? Was that like Oh, a, way before. Okay. Probably right. much to my parents' regret. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> like junior high started playing all of that stuff back this is back when like people thought D, D was for the devil and if you play it you're gonna hang out in the sewer drain and kill yourself if your character dies real conversation i had with my mom she oh, brought that up she's like well there was these kids out in california who were doing drugs and they killed themselves dude, after they died playing their I, characters are you going to do that it's why? Why would I do that? It's a game. Like, no, mom. I, my friends and I are not going to go sit out in the barn, which we, that's where we still play D&D. &D, we are, the we barn, are part of the generation of people who were the first to get bullshit chain emails from our parents. Mm. And we got them when we were children. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not wrong. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, much to their regret, I started <laughs> wasting all of my money when I was very small. On very stupid things. So, you know, <laughs> magic cards are expensive, yeah. and it's cardboard. And I love the game, but it's dumb. Like, why? Do, why? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, it's it's addicting. It's cardboard. It's a game. And it just, like, it's a hole you fall in. It's, but it's fun. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, that all started in, like, junior high. Nice. So just kept playing both of them. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad Magic the Gathering made it and Pokemon didn't quite. 
crossed yeah, the threshold. Yeah, I do regret giving away all of my Pokemon cards oh, now. Um, wow. I had a lot of them that are apparently now worth money. And oh, when oh, I gave I'm them sure. away, were worth nothing. So it was like, I have this binder of trash. Do yep. you want this? And then now it's like, I'm an, I'm an idiot. Like, that's... No, my my, my kids are all into it now, and I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever with your dumb little, blah, blah, blah. like, here's the real collection of cards. Yeah. Like, do you see this first edition? Do you yeah. know what that is? Look at my like, first edition Charizard. Yeah. First boom, edition boom, base boom. set Charizard. <laughs> what now? Like, yeah, uh, no, I had all that stuff, gave it away. God, it's got to hurt. Yeah, I'm a genius. Oh, it's got to hurt. My, Very um, smart. My, so so that that happened in a, I lost, I lost a, NES and an N64 around the start of Xbox mm. because maybe it was like mid Xbox. So it was N64, then like the N64 and PlayStation generation mm -hmm. led to PlayStation 2. Yeah, Play Xbox. Xbox carried over with PlayStation 2, and then it was like Xbox One and PlayStation 3, mm -hmm. and then whatever it is now. Uh, so, so it just, I, my, one of my grandparents gave away all of my old video games, and like I've spent my entire my adult life trying to recreate mm. this childhood that I wish would have never been given away. Oh, I feel that. Um, <laughs> I had a problem buying Sega games for a while for that exact reason because I needed them. I, I would sit around and I'd think about these games that frustrated me to death yep. as a child that I couldn't beat, like level two. Yeah, still can't. Yep. But um, I have some of them now, so yeah. it's that's an accomplishment in my eyes. Now I've spent like just to get boxes, like mm -hmm. just to know. Like, oh yeah, a lot of my stuff doesn't in a box because. I'll just buy the cart for a couple bucks. <laughs> Give me the cart. No, I'm, I was like, I needed to have the entire setup for Pokemon Stadium and Pokemon Snap. Like, oh, I couldn't wow. just be without that. I was like, I had this map when I was a kid. I had the I box when I was a kid. Now. Like, I need this. Is, this is my security blanket. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, it's uh, it's interesting the things that you that you think about that that are fit that aren't a fit like what what should you have hung on to what should you have mm -hmm. given away type thing and i imagine that's like i don't know is that a feeling that you that you run up against as a curator like trying to figure out you know what to keep and what to give away from the standpoint of like just producing exhibits yeah um it's always a careful balance of what we have in the museum at any time so like we don't just want to have the galleries full of a random assortment of exhibits. While they all might be high, high quality and excellent shows, we really want to create a sense of some sort of like cohesion mm -hmm. for the things. So like right now we have three alumni from SIU currently on display. All of them are successful individuals who pursued careers outside of MFAs. Mm -hmm. um, one of them owned Weaver's Cottage. One of them was an editor in, in Syracuse, New York. And one of them owns a design firm in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, but they are all fantastic, amazing, accomplished artists. So that was one thing. Like we had these three people, instead of spreading them out throughout the year, I wanted to have them all in the same time because mm -hmm. that's a theme that fit. Uh, we also have some political shows that have like um, some – they're a little bit charged in that manner, but mm -hmm. they're also on display right now because they didn't want to spread them out. They mm -hmm. needed to be together because that's the, how they thematically make sense. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's always a careful balance of trying to make sure that there's a variety of content in the museum. So it's not just one homogenous experience. So like every gallery feels like it's the same thing, uh -huh. but that things are close enough yet distant thematically where it feels like, yeah, this, this could, this should be here. Like, 
-hmm. the color patterns move from one exhibit to the next, or there's themes that are picked up in one that go to the next gallery, they go to the next gallery, they go to the next one, they go to the next one, and it kind of moves naturally through there. So it's mm -hmm. something I always try and pay as much attention to as I can. I mean, with how things are happening with COVID-19, it's always a little up in the air, how <laughs> things are going to look. So we sometimes have to do a little bit of shuffling around. Mm -hmm. uh, we had to do that this year when we sh when the university shut down. Mm -hmm. So we had a bunch of shows that were supposed to be thematically clumped around rural life and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. we had one that was stories from southeast Missouri, Kentucky, and southern Illinois, mm -hmm. and photography to accomplish that. We had an ex that was going to be running at the same time with an exhibit on the f history of farming in mm -hmm. the region, as well as an exhibit on... Um, so it's like artistic representations of animal processing. Mm -hmm. So it's like this real like rural themed was supposed to be in the South Hall that we had to scrap and move to next year. So mm -hmm. luckily we were able to keep them all bunched up, but with how things are moving around and it's always trying, it's always a little difficult to try and keep things as focused as we'd like them to be. Yeah. But I feel like we're doing a fine job. I hope. <laughs> like, we're gonna keep doing it until somebody says don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's working. Everyone, I, people seem to like it. Yeah. So, I mean, just gonna keep moving forward, I guess. No, you get, and you guys get a proper amount of attention too. Like, it's, mm. it's yeah, no, it's not like we get hounded with complaints or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we get regular. Even though we've been underneath COVID restrictions, we still have people coming to the museum. Uh, we still have artists bringing in stuff. We're posting stuff on our social media. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the artists made an artist talk video. Um, that's up there. So we can't do receptions, unfortunately, because yeah. there's limits on how many people can be at events, things like that. And it's just way too complicated. And wouldn't it's not you can't justify it. There's not yeah. enough people allowed. So we're trying to explore other venues and other ways to do that. So having artists make videos about their exhibitions that we can include on online galleries is one way that we're trying to kind of bridge that gap mm -hmm. i know it's not exactly one-to-one -one, but it's really is about as much as we can do right and, now and, and it's what everybody can do right now i mean the, the whole trick to this is simply keep alive yeah right just it's 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 don't you know you can you can lose activity but don't lose relevance absolutely that's right. what we've been trying to do like while our exhibit the number of exhibits is slightly lower because we had some that we had to move to next year we're still trying to keep new things in the museum, new voices coming through from outside the community, and just trying to keep things fresh in there and keep trying to put out content online. Do you still uh, do you still put out the the sandwich board sign that says University Museum this way? <laughs> it's still there. It doesn't make it out every day, but it's still there for yeah. you to see. Good. The, yeah. Uh, do you do you remember? I, yeah, I, I feel like you found yourself in this comment section. I made this post like a year ago. I took a, I was like delivering Chinese food or something and um, would stop by the museum and like saw the, mm -hmm. the sandwich board and like took a picture of it and posted. Somebody was like, well, you should just tell people where that's at. And it's like, it says it on the fucking sign, yeah. man. Like it's, <laughs> I mean, that's like a, that's a thing. I mean, people don't, so a lot of people know that there's a museum on campus. We're mm -hmm. not a hidden thing. We're out there. But there is a large percentage of, like, even on-campus population that doesn't even know they were a museum. I had a gentleman come in a couple weeks ago. He's graduating this semester. It was his first time ever in the museum. He didn't mm -hmm. know there was one. And it's like, you've been here for 150 years. Um, I'm glad that you're in here now. But, yeah, we're not new. We've been here. We need, we need like, a – and this goes back to your – 
you know, I hit the I hit the triad. I fell in love. Da da da. You know, R.I.P. Cranked out Alan three. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I actually was, lived on Alan three. That, that, that was, was his... my first dorm that I stayed in. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you do you remember the uh, the Alan three music video? No. Oh, 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 I can't wait to show you the Alan yeah, three music video. Yeah, I gotta video see that when we're done with this. It was essentially just like it was probably. I don't know, 2009, 2010, something like that. Um, you know, that people, uh, the the performer's name was Y dot G dot, and they took uh, essentially just their their own version of what was like the hammerhead dance at the time. And they were just like crank that Allen three, and that was the that was the song. And then like a year later is when they tore it all down. Oh yeah, or like um, two years later, and it's just like uh, it's very I, relevant. Though. You know, I I and I and I get it. Like I, it makes it makes sense to have felled those buildings at, at this yeah, point. Yeah, even when I was there in like 2006, one of them, I think it was Alan Boomer and Wright. I think Wright Hall was completely empty. Yeah. Um, and Alan was like mostly full. Boomer was all the way full. Alan was mostly full and Wright was empty. And like yeah. it just kept going down from there. So Yeah, and you can only maintain so much stuff. So mm -hmm. prepare prepare for the new best you can. Absolutely. Ah, this was fun, Wes. Yeah, I really great. enjoyed this, I had man. a lot of fun. Um. I hope you all had fun on this podcast, too. That's uh, episode 18, the WTF Carverdale podcast with W.M. Stroger. Uh, and as I always like to say, have a good one, whatever that one may be.